Hello, everyone, and welcome to Edge Talk Radio. I am Angela Zabel, that's me, and I am here with Tracy Terrace. She is the author and therapist from California of Many Voices, One Truth. And who am I? I have I am Angela Zabel. I have been connected to spirit working with a team in the non-physical my entire life, sharing messages from a multitude of realms with people. I'm a teacher, coach, and a medium, radio show host, as I'm here, and then I do writing, retreat host, gallery reader, and I also do speaking, doing online and private sessions and engagements and classes, offering guidance, mediumship, and intuition for people throughout the world. And you can find out more about me on pretty much every social media there is out there and check out my website, angelazable.com, and it'll get you to everywhere you want to go. And then today we are here with Edge Talk Radio, and this is part of Edge Magazine. Edge Magazine is a leading events and media resource dedicated to all aspects of holistic living, health, and wellness, and the mysteries beyond. Sharing information, wisdom, and resources committed to promoting businesses, organizations, and individuals who support our collective journey to wholeness and balance. And you can find out more about them at edgemagazine.net. And today we have Tracy Terrace, and her she is a Christian licensed marriage and family therapist and author of Many Voices, One Truth. How to tune into the Savior's voice using effective techniques. Writing her, she's writing, working on writing her second book already, digging deeper into what it truly means to have your identity anchored in Christ. She's a healer and an educator, providing guidance in her private practice, church, and community. She's the president and owner of Healing and Mind, Healing the Mind and Spirit Incorporated, leading a team of therapists in Santa Clara. Santa Clarita, correct? <laughs> California, offering therapy services to individuals, couples, and families, and coaching services from creative blocks, nutritional problems, and women issues. And you can find out more about Tracy at healingthemindandspirit.com. And also, as when you're on there, make sure to sign up for an email list. You'll be staying up to date on what she has coming up and new offerings she has. And along with her website of healingthemindandspirit.com, you can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, which I'm going to have to find you on TikTok now. <laughs> and she is the author of Many Voices, One Truth, which you can find on Amazon and through her website. And so, Tracy, this has been an interesting journey where you are coming from the Christian and the therapist, bringing those two worlds together, and then coming into writing the book of, of uh, writing your book. And how did you actually bring those worlds together? What brought the, there? And I want to thank you for being on here today. Oh, thank you so much uh, for having me. Yeah, it, it was quite a journey. I uh, became a therapist because I went to therapy and it worked for me. And I had no intention of becoming a therapist. I kept referring my family and friends to my therapist at the time uh, to go for healing. And my therapist was a Jewish lady, uh, Jewish lady, uh, Dr. Barbara Cohen, but she integrated my faith. My faith is uh, Christian and she integrated uh, in elements of my belief system and the strengths of my faith and with my therapy process. And I didn't even ask her to do that. She's just a well-rounded person and a good clinician. And so she integrated that in for me. 
and it really helped because it, when I when I did go to grad school, well, let me back up a little bit. The reason I became a therapist is a because therapy worked for me, and so I figured everybody needed that. But again, I had no intention of becoming a therapist until I was at work. I was working for a consulting firm, and I was in the kitchen one morning getting my coffee. And the thought came to me, you need to be a therapist. And it resonated. It was out of nowhere. I wasn't contemplating that in any way, shape, or form, but it resonated. So I checked with my husband. I called my husband and three of my closest friends at the time. And they all were like, I can totally see you doing that, or you would be so good at that. And because I was always a little kid who uh, all of, you know, all of my friends brought their problems to me and as a teenager and things like that. So you know, it just kind of resonated. And I looked into um, um, universities and I chose Azusa Pacific University because it was a Christian university and it promised to integrate psychology and faith system. Right. And so I chose that university, got in and, and here I am today. And so the way I integrate it is I see people, all people, whether they are a Christian or not, as made in the image of God. And so because I have a great respect for that, that's the, the basis, that's the foundation. So when people are presenting with symptoms, I, with behaviors and you know choices that have brought um, maybe disastrous consequences into their lives, I see those things as symptoms because it's not necessarily who they really are. It's symptoms to a broader or deeper problem. And then I integrate that respect for who they are, who they've been created to be, and with whatever psychological or clinical treatment plan I have for them. I love the fact that you're bringing the two worlds together, really bringing that Christianity and that love. I know there was there's some things we're going to get into later with the the walk with Jesus and bringing that in and how you listen to yourself. And I, I do want to bring up the point, it was kind of funny, it was struck me as a little funny is when you said people had always been coming to you your whole life and asking for information, asking for guidance and help, and then going, oh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know why it didn't occur to me earlier, but it just didn't. And then just one day it did. <laughs> and I, for me, I love the fact with you have that empathy within you and looking at people no matter where they are, no matter what they've gone through, as looking at things as there's a symptom behind it, a symptom where they're looking at themselves as less than and, and needing that guidance and help and knowing they can do it. Having that support and bringing that through, I think is so important for so many people. When you first started the therapy, going to school, going to for therapists, to be a therapist, and you started seeing the integration between the Christianity bringing into the therapy. Was that, was that something that more surprised you? And did you, or did you more see how much more it could be even than what they were teaching you? Oh, um, I, I think it highlighted why things are the way they are because I, you know, growing, I grew up Catholic and in my Catholic faith at the time, we didn't read the Bible that much. Catholics are, you know, reading the Bible more and more now. But then as I became an adult, I switched to just, you know, like Christianity and there was a lot of Bible reading. And in some of the things that I would read, 
Um, I didn't understand why it was in there, but at, as I was studying uh, psychology, I realized, oh, God's really smart. <laughs> that's why that's in the Bible. So it's like, it's not that it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's more like, you know, forgive so that you release the, the negative energy from yourself so that you let yourself off the hook, you know, come to a resolution, like resolve conflict so that you're not carried. Because if you carry things with you, then that's depression will probably ensue. Anxiety will ensue. You won't be able to have good and solid relationships. Pursue holiness because you come from holiness, not because, you know, God just, you know, do this, do that. But I, I realized as I was sitting in my classes and learning about um, mental health disorders and, you know, psychological problems that uh, psychology really is the study of the soul. And I kind of had that inclination and then realized on Google at the time that that's what psychology is. Like if you Google uh, psychology today, you'll get all kinds of definitions from the study of human behavior and relationships. And it is all of that, but the original Greek definition is the study of the soul. So if we're, you know, if we have, um, uh, values and belief systems that lead more toward, you know, the integration of healthy relationships and being healthy ourselves, but we're choosing something that goes against that, then psychological issues will, or relational issues will set in. So for example, if one of my top family value, one of my top values is time with family, but I'm working 60 hours a week, then that's just me choosing something that goes against my value of time with family. And so it is going to cause some kind of psychological problem or relational problem within me. And so that's what I was really surprised about by just how everything just started to make sense and what the do's and the don'ts were really about and how much love God has for people and how whole he wants us to be because he created us whole, but we get fractured in our relationships with ourselves and with other people and with the world. And so psychotherapy is a journey to mending all of that and getting you back to who you were originally created to be. I don't think all therapists would say that, but that's how I see it. <laughs> I, I love how you put that because really there's, when you talked about with the soul, a lot of times when people are just not feeling right, something isn't setting right with you. And you're wondering, you know, what's going on. And when you said, like when you said working 60 hours a week and it doesn't go, it goes against your your family values or what you want to have as your family values to show that's really the back and forth we do almost every day. What fits me? What doesn't fit me? And if it doesn't fit me, why doesn't it fit me? And sometimes I think we try to make it fit to fit into the norm of everything but it's not the best for us individually. And I like how you said for you, just as an example, doing the 60 hours a week in the family and where other people, it might be just fine spending the 60 hours a week and not with the family. So it's really individualized on what yeah. works best for each person. Yeah. And even if your family needs you to do the 60 hour because of what's going on financially or economically, but everyone is, you know, on board with that and working together and there's conversations and there's not a lot of nagging. And if there is nagging, you work it through, then what works for you works for you. You know, I love that. I love that part of it. And as you're work, as you've been going through this, you started integrating God. And I love how you fact that 
he's they're there to support us not the yes not the black and white the this is good do that don't do that i that's the something i think that people are working more towards letting go of Mm -hmm. being the the judgmental god and i think that's where and that's as i'm listening to you that's what i'm hearing from you is not having the judgmental god where it's it's the god where they embrace you for who you are and what you do and i feel that's something you're helping people to understand about themselves to not be so judgmental about themselves yeah i i think judgment comes from non-belief believing that a person is not going to get it together or do what's right for them. Like, I believe that God knows that we all have a journey and we all have different journeys and we, we are equipped. You know, the Bible says we have all we need internally. And so we're well equipped. We might not have access to those tools because of life situations and circumstances or trauma or pain, but it doesn't mean that equipment is not in there. It's turned on. And I think that when we judge one another as people, we've already decided that you're not going to get it right, or you're not going to find whatever it is you're looking for, or you're going to impact me, you know, in some kind of way. And, and it's really not about that. I don't think God thinks that way at all. I think he believes with all of his being that we are capable because he's equipped, equipped us with that capability. And I think he's okay with our timeline, the timeline of our journey with regards to how we discover and in what ways we discover. And that's something I love how you just said that everybody has different timelines and not to come down on yourself, whatever timeline you're on, you're working through it on your time, you're doing things your way. Everybody's so unique and different. And right now I'm I'm just hearing from my team where they're saying, Right now, you seem so confident and you have everything and, and you're ready to go. You have you have everything in front of you, like you've always had it. And have you always been so in control or knowing what you wanted? Or has this been more of a little bit of a journey for you to get there also? Oh, my gosh. My eyes are tearing up as, as you're uh, asking me that because absolutely not. Like it's been quite a journey, quite a discovery, um, surrendering, letting, letting go, dealing with issues. I'm 53 years old and my healing journey probably started in my late teens, but I wasn't aware of it. But I think it, it more started in my late twenties where I was aware when I first went to therapy, uh, for myself and started looking into, why I had so much anxiety, why I would be sad and blue and depressed for seemingly no reason or for reasons, but the reasons weren't big enough or didn't seem big enough to be causing that much distress. And so absolutely not. I have not always, I mean, even as a therapist, like it's been a journey. Like I remember getting my first family um, to work with and in a practicum, like in therapy, we, when you're in school, still getting your master's or PhD or whatever it is you're getting, you're required to put in some hours where you actually see real people and actually put into practice some of the things you're learning in graduate school. And I remember uh, an hour before going to see my first family, 
uh, I remember it was a family of a husband, a wife, and two kids, one child, one of the girls was five and the other girl was nine. And the nine-year-old was uh, suffering with enuresis, which is bedwetting. And in, in bedwetting happens, enuresis happens after a child has learned to control that during the night and then some trauma or something happens and they just regress to an earlier part of life. And that part of the regression has to do with bedwetting. But I remember breaking down in tears saying, I'm going to jack them up. I'm going to jack them up. <laughs> I was certain that I was going to jack this family up and whatever was happening with this little girl, I was never going to figure it out. And she was going to be wetting the bed until she was 14 years. I mean, I just made up this whole story of how I was just going to come into this family and just make matters worse. You know, that didn't happen. Thank God. But um, no, absolutely not. It's It's been a journey and it's still a journey. I still don't, you know, I have it all together. You know, I'm a married lady. My husband and I, we have our issues with conflict. Like every couple has something we call a perpetual problem, mm -hmm. which is whatever problem you're having at year one, you're going to still be having that problem at year 31. You know, and so I so like yes. that perpetual problem. That, that's an interesting. <laughs> well, it's it's powerful when you can identify what yours is and accept that. You know, I see it this way. You see it that way. We're probably never going to meet in the middle. So you do your thing in this area. I'll do mine, and let's just call it a day. <laughs> I like that. So, I am yeah. definitely going to be using that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I never thought of it that way as the perpetual problem. I've got to say, every time I do these interviews, I learn something and it's like, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, 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 It's freeing to know what yours and, and a lot of us, we have more than one, you know? And so, yeah, I, I have my journey. I think we're journeying for the rest of our days, like until we meet our maker, like this life is about an education and finding our way and helping one another and living from a place of love. Absolutely. And I like to say it's, and I think with you included is I see the people who are there who are stretching themselves and being the, the teachers, being the ones in front. And I like to say, we're always learning. We're going to be learning till the day we die, but we're always usually one step ahead of some of the others. <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, and, that's about it. <laughs> and I love the fact with you that you are, I think to show people, we all start from somewhere and we all work through our own issues to get where we are today. And by doing so, I think it helps make us all a little more compassionate and understanding of where people come from. And I, I feel for others to see you, and I know you wrote the book of, with your book behind you, all with the one truth. And that is something this was written not that long ago for you. And why did you choose at that moment to write that book? Well, two reasons. Um, at the time my that I started writing the book, and actually I didn't start writing the book until a few years after this incident, but this incident that I'm about to describe, it was the, the catalyst for it. And um, my one of my baby sisters, I'm the eldest, of six girls and uh, one of the younger three of us had a stroke at, in her late thirties. And so uh, three of us were living here in California. She was living in Texas. So the three of us flew down to help her. And when we got down there, 
I immediately, we each responded in different ways. Like one of, one of us leaned in, one of us had like a spiritual crisis and one of us kind of rolled up our sleeves and got in, got to work. That was me, the latter one. You would think that, you know, I would be one of the more spiritual ones because I'm the oldest and, you know, and I'm the therapist and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I just dove in and started uh, getting things together for when she was going to be released from the hospital because I knew she wouldn't be able to go right back to work. But it just all of a sudden started feeling really overwhelming. And I didn't know why. And then I felt like I just wanted to go home. I wanted to leave Texas and come back home to the safety of my husband and my two kids and my own little bubble. And then I started feeling guilty. So pretty soon I started uh, having suicidal thoughts just seemingly out of nowhere. And, and I started uh, just having just a lot of guilt. So I called a friend of mine and I, I told her what was going on. And she said, you know, she knew my life. She knew my upbringing and a lot of my background. And she said, Tracy, this has nothing to do with what's going on. It's what you believe about yourself. And the belief that was coming up was that I was going to die young. When I was little, my mom traced a palm, uh, a line on my palm and said that I was going to die young. And I had, you know, dealt with all of that in therapy and thought I had put it away and stuff. But my uh, sister who had had a stroke and I thought almost died in her late thirties, that's young. So it re-triggered that belief. And I had forgotten, I believe that, or I thought I had done, done away with it and dealt with it. But that's how uh, trauma happens or, or situations that you have to heal from. You may heal on a certain level, a conscious level, maybe a subconscious level, but sometimes certain pains and certain beliefs go so deep that it could just be kind of running unconsciously in the back of your mind until some event brings it to the surface. So my sister almost, you know, or at least having um, an incident that brought her close to death brought my fear of dying young or my belief that I would die young up to the surface. And that's what was causing, you know, the fear and the sense of overwhelm and wanting to go home. And then the fact that I wanted to go home, the other thing that I was told when I was little was that I was evil. And it's just because I had my own mind. Like I, you know, I, whatever it is, I believed it was me thinking it through a lot of times on my own or me just deciding to be me, even as a little kid. But I was called evil for that because I didn't fit into the whatever the mold was. And so what was triggered is the moment I felt like I want out of here and I want to go home to the safety of my own life, I felt like that was evil. And I, I wasn't conscious of it, but my friend helped me to see it. And I just had to release those things, finish what I needed to do with my sister and, and get back to work and then just, you know, come come home when I was coming home. And the other thing that made me write the book the way I did was my clients often, most of the things that we deal, we talk about is what it is they're thinking about, like their mindset, their beliefs, their core beliefs. And so it, I thought it would be helpful to combine prayer practices because I go on prayer retreats once a year. Actually, I haven't done that in a few years uh, just because of whatever, but Typically, I go on prayer retreats and silent retreats. And so I combined the, the methods that I've learned in those places over the years with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is one of the main types of therapy I use. And cognitive behavioral therapy has to do with your cognitions, which is 
how you think and what are what are the things running through your mind, being aware of them. And so I combined the two and put, you know, a lot of those exercises in the book to help people to tune out all of the different voices that are disparaging and tune in to the one true voice of, of Christ that who created them that would help them to settle down, center, you know, become mindful, um, practice meditation, practice prayer, so that you can rid yourself of all of the things that make you far away from who you were created to be. And I like when you were talking about with being a child and being told you're evil, being, you know, told all these different things, it really lets people know that things even in the past where you think you put it away, you think you've dealt with it and yet it comes up and then you have to deal with it again, but not even realizing it. But I, with what you're doing with your many voices, one truth, it's showing people there's all these different voices you hear and it's about yourself and how to move yourself through it and giving you the tools to do so. Like you said, you did, you usually would before do prayer retreats. So however it works for that person to have that connection. How did you, because you had done, you had said you'd been with a Catholic and then went more into Christianity. What was the catalyst to kind of bring you, it doesn't sound like you really left any of it per se, but what was the catalyst that kind of brought it more to the forefront again? Well, growing up and adulting and getting lost and, you know, having to do this and having to do that and, you know, being a wife and, you know, my, my first uh, marriage, I've been married twice and my first husband was in the military and his first assignment was overseas and to the Philippines. And so just being over there and trying to figure out, you know, how to fit in and how to do life thousands and thousands of miles, you know, away from my family, I just started spiritually just checking boxes, meaning just going to church, but not really thinking about anything I was learning or not really applying anything I was learning. And then just developed um, a spiritual hunger for a deeper connection with God and um, was led to like reading the Bible. And because at the time, like, like I said, right now, Catholic people, you know, read the Bible uh, way more than they did when I was little, at least in my church. I don't want to speak for all Catholic people, but but uh, at the time, that wasn't necessarily available. So I ended up switching to um, a version of Christianity that seemed to be more embracing and more, you know, researching of the Bible. And I was interested in that. So, And that's something for people to, to look at, question themselves, question what they're believing and question what they're reading and how they're reading it. Cause from you, you're talking where you had looked at it one way and then started interpreting it differently, seeing it differently. Once you started understanding more about the Bible and, and what's around you and God. And there was a part in years where you said you walked with Jesus. And when you really started integrating that, what was that point where you started integrating and, and walking with Jesus? What is that part of it about? I, I think that came along gradually. One of the things that helped me with that the most was being quiet, like sitting quiet and in developing a, a silence, a practice of silence, a practice of con contemplation. Like now I consider myself to be a contemplative and a contemplative is a person that contemplates spiritual things and, you know, questions and, and sits 
with, you know, uh, allowing the answers to come to you. I think that's the, the uh, part of the Holy Spirit where I'll read something and then I'll just sit with it and think about it and see what rises up instead of me taking um, someone else's interpretation. And a lot of times people's interpretation, it's, it's right. You know, there's people who have really dug in and really studied, but I think that only you can have a relationship. Uh, only you can have your relationship with God. So what he speaks to one person, you know, whether it's in nature, whether it's in the Bible, whether it's in something you hear on the radio might be quite different than what he would speak. And I think that he's about our personal development and our finding our way home. So it, it, it almost has to be different because we're all different. And that I like that where everyone has their own unique relationship and they have to have to honor that. However, it works for you. However, it feels good for you to honor that relationship and making it easier going forward. And you had mentioned about going in and making that connection, having that communication. How did how was that journey for you of just reading it and, and having that there and making the actual making more of a connection, making the communication and shutting out the other voices. How did you learn to close out the other voices to find that one true voice? Well, um, the the first way I uh, started making the connection to uh, was practicing, like actually doing some of what it says, like when it says, forgive, when it, when it, says to pray, like spend time in prayer, meditate on the word. So doing some of the actual spiritual practices, you know, in there. And then what was the second part of your question? I I flipped my So the other part was, how did you start tuning out the voices of of which, how did you know what voices you had and which ones to listen to? Well, part of that was studying psychology. (laughs) 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 Really, because um, just getting like, okay, so practically speaking, uh, meditation, like getting quiet and getting silent. So, because God speaks in a still small voice, whereas, you know, all of the other voices are kind of loud and, you know, and so quieting myself and quieting my mind down, but then understanding like some of the voices that might be from your childhood, uh, there's a form of therapy called object relations therapy, where, the patient will internalize or has internalized a parent. And so that's the voice that they hear. And a lot of times it's the negative voice from the parent or the critical voice or the condemning voice and things like that. And just understanding that um, God isn't critical or condemning. So that must be another voice, you know, understanding that, all right, if I act on this impulse or act on this thought, how is that going to affect another person? you know, is that going to be detrimental? So if it is going to be detrimental, that's probably not, you know, the the voice of Christ. It's probably something else. If I'm looking at um, social media and whatever it is I'm taking in from society, from the the social voice, if it's uplifting and and it's, it's pushing me to do better or giving me tools to do better, because a lot of times people are down on social media, but there's a lot of people, a lot of good people doing good things, providing a lot of good information out there. And so if that's the case, then that could be coming from, I call it the subsidiary of the Savior's voice, where because it's uplifting and it's it's moving us all towards the one place that we you know, all want to go, which is to healing and wholeness. 
and to be who we were created to be. But if I'm watching social media and I'm uh, disparaging of myself or critical of myself or condemning myself or comparing or critical of the person on there, then that's probably not from, you know, the Savior's voice either. So it's just kind of like, uh, practicing and paying attention. You know, I, I only have two children, but I know the differences in their voices. And so I have five sisters and four brothers. I know the differences in their voice. So I think just like paying attention and then different learning to differentiate, you know, the incoming message and what does it produce in you and what do you end up producing as a result of that? And one of the things that you were talking about in here is looking at yourself, hearing the other voices, knowing, and I like how you brought up with the social media, with listening to how do you feel? What are you getting when you're working with that social media? Because like you said, there's a lot of great people out there doing some amazing, amazing things on social media, getting that, those different voices out, getting different words out to help people and to help people heal. But there's a lot that aren't so much. <laughs> and to be, be very aware of that, the other thing you had talked about is when you said that the Savior's voice is very soft and very subtle and very quiet. And I think that's something so important for people to realize is to know it's not that big, loud, booming voice like sometimes is portrayed on TV or in social yeah. media. <laughs> and when you first started listening with the meditation, when you sat in meditation or prayer, did you take... Was it, did you do like a set practice for yourself? How did you start working on to tuning into that subtle voice? Oh my gosh. It was a horrible experience. <laughs> I could not sit still for 30 seconds. The, the person who was teaching me uh, told me to aim for three minutes because, you know, 15 minutes is lofty and forget about 20 minutes. Like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the standard out there for most like the people that are good meditators, they could meditate for like an hour. My dad, he's uh, Muslim, he's Shiite Muslim, and he could meditate for two hours. I mean, I'm still wow. that's impressive. Off, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he can go off and be still for like two hours. I, I could not do three minutes. So it was it was excruciating trying <laughs> to sit still because I've I've always I, I've always had this like frenetic type anxious energy. I don't know. I, it's probably comes from being the eldest and having a lot of responsibility and, you know, stuff like that. But I gave up three minutes and tried to do a minute and looking at my, uh, at the timer and 30 seconds hadn't even passed by, <laughs> but sticking to it and showing up. And just doing however long I can, like I'd set my timer, but if I started getting antsy, I'd try to push through that for a few seconds. And then it just got longer and longer. It's kind of like working with um, clients who have OCD. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest treatments is uh, frustration tolerance, like, mm -hmm. and, and tolerance of the frustration or tolerance of the fear. So for instance, I once had a client who wouldn't touch doorknobs without washing their hands. And so part of my treatment that I would do for uh, her is I would leave the door open. I mean, I would leave the door to my office closed and she would have to be the one to touch the knob. 
and oh. open the door because I would leave my office going to the waiting room and there was a little alcove in between the waiting room and the office. And for every other client, I would just leave my office door open, go get the client from the waiting room and we'd go back in. But for her, I would leave it closed so that she would have to. And so then the treatment was she would have to tolerate sitting on the couch without using sanitizer right for and then i would give it to her like and each week i would increase it so it was kind of like that it was it wasn't anything different from that i would just increase the level of how much i can tolerate and then pretty soon i was able to do 15 minutes and 20 minutes and but that that was a while it took a long time i i love that because i have so many people that come up and they're like i can't meditate i can't do it i'm like well just just start with a minute there it's and I love how you said it was terrible to start with and it absolutely is <laughs> and that's something for people to realize this isn't something where everybody just you know falls right into into order and and everything is so easy to do and for people to realize it's a process it's a process and how much you're committed to yourself yeah. and I, I love that fact <laughs> I think that's going to be very helpful for a lot of people to be less critical of themselves when they're starting to learn how to do these, because this is a whole new, it's a new way of doing things, a new way of connecting and to be less critical of themselves. And one of the things you talk about is being able to silence that inner critic that we always have. When, when we're looking at this and we're hearing all these critical, the voices coming in and criticizing ourselves what is your first go-to or some different techniques they can use to help silence that inner critic? Uh, challenge whatever it is you're hearing with the truth. So do a little bit of investigation. So if the if the thought is, you know, I'm not good enough, asking yourself, I'm not good enough at what? Because sometimes we, we will just use that phrase and we're, it just blankets everything. So when we ask ourselves, well, I'm not good enough at what? And then that forces you to think about what you're thinking about. Well, I'm thinking about, I'm about to do this, you know, interview with Angela and, you know, and so then I would say, well, how many interviews have you done? Well, I've done other interviews. How did you do? I did well. It went well. Like once they posted it, you know, it went really well. So it's not true that I'm not good enough. I can do interviews or whatever, whatever the case may be, like really investigate because, truth shines a light. Like whenever we're having all of these dark and disparaging thoughts, it's, it's really darkness in our minds. Like, and when you hear people who talk about depression, they'll say it's, it's like a dark cloud or it's like I'm sitting in this dark room. But one of the biggest tools in your arsenal is investigating and telling yourself the truth of whatever it is that's going on right now. Like apply uh, instances where it was the opposite of what you're thinking or apply instances where what you're thinking does not match up to what the actual experience was. And that's something I think for people to realize, to go, kind of go back, to reconfigure everything, rethink everything and look at where those voices are coming from. And that's one of the things with your book. It's author of many voices and is that more of what you're talking about when you're when you're hearing all these different is it the critical voices or are you looking at voices that are giving you good information what was the 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 catalyst behind the many voices that the idea that a lot of uh my clients they do have a lot of 
you know, voices coming into their heads. Like when I was um, an intern, I worked on a psych ward and on the psych ward, um, we, we would get a lot of patients that have schizophrenia and people with schizophrenia will hear auditory hallucinations. And it's, you know, it could be a cacophony of just voices just coming at them. But what I've learned working in this profession is that everything happens on a spectrum. Like we talk about the autism spectrum, but everything ha happens on a spectrum. It, if you're hearing a bunch of voices and you do have something like schizophrenia, you're way on this, but you could also be on this side where it's just everyday critical voices, you know, and, you know, moving towards wherever you fall on the spectrum. So like people might be listening to their father who was very critical or their mother, they might be listening to a, a teacher from, you know, their grade school. They may be listening to themselves, like uh, voices that where you uh, criticize yourself or put yourself down. So yeah, like it, it could be coming from anywhere. And, and it, my experience has been that most of us suffer with that. Like we have an idea, that's a great idea. And then instantly we'll, there'll be well, you can't do that because da 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 da, you know. And so, what I teach my uh, clients is to honor that voice because, and just see it as a risk assessor. There is a part of your brain called the amygdala, and it's always scanning for safety and wanting to keep you safe. And that's just its job. So, right. if you if you're on a job and there's a risk assessor on the job, and it has a question or, well, this might happen or that might happen. All you would have to do with the risk assessor and all you have to do with your own brain is state what the truth is. Like, yes, I understand that, you know, if we go backpacking through Europe, we might run out of money. However, mm -hmm. there's stuff like Western Union and nowadays there's Cash App or Venmo. We could just <laughs> call our people and ask them to front us some money until we, <laughs> you know, like just quieting the voice of the risker, the risk assessor. <laughs> And that's something I think a lot of people, I like, I like the fact that when you had said that there's different spectrums, different spectrums of every level. And I don't think people look at it that way. I think a lot of people, it's like, oh, I have this or this, but there's nothing in between different levels of it, different levels of understanding, different levels of how you operate with criticism. I think that's something people need to realize. It's not the same thing for everyone. As as you've been doing this, as you've been doing the with the book and with your therapy, so you're still doing therapy even though you have your book, correct? Yes. Do you do a therapy online or is it strictly in person where you are? I do both. I do online, and I I actually started doing online before COVID hit okay. uh, because there were people that wanted therapy, but just for whatever reason either didn't want to come into the office or they found me online and they live far away. And so I actually had in instituted some online, um, a telehealth system nice. and I wanted to try it out for myself before, you know, getting it for the whole office for all of the other therapists. And so when COVID hit, it was just a matter of adding names to what I already had. So we do in person, like this is my office. Uh, if you want to see it, this is where I see my nice. <laughs> very nice and and then we have um two other spaces that are they look different from this one but two other spaces and the reception area where emily sits and where when clients come in they wait for their therapist to come and get them but yeah we do we do both i love that you're ahead of the curve <laughs> you were like always it seems like 
I think you've kind of been ahead of the curve for a while from what I'm seeing. <laughs> well, I think the thing with telehealth, that probably was the Holy Spirit going, you know what, this this might be coming down the, the he didn't say COVID. <laughs> right, right. But just, I just had a strong inclination to do that because number one, because there were people reaching out that, you know, they needed it. So I provided it. So. <laughs> I love that. And, and a lot of times there's those gentle nudges, like you started with that ahead of time, those gentle nudges, and you don't know why. And and I think that's something with, when you talk about hearing the Holy Spirit, hearing Jesus, hearing those different aspects, that sometimes you don't know why, but you it's listening and trusting to what you're getting. And yeah. it seems, is that something that was hard for you to do was to start trusting what you were getting? I don't, I don't think it was. I've always been an imaginative child. Like I've always been an imaginative, just an imaginative person. So I've always spent a lot of time in my head thinking through things, you know, and, and, and I, one thing I want to tell your listeners is, you know, to trust the process, because even if you think it's one reason, there may be a deeper reason. Even if you think it's coming from you, it might be coming from God. It might be coming from, you know, the Holy Spirit. And just trust that you you are equipped, like you have what you need. And I, because you you could see it in children, like you see some kids are very intuitive. Some people, some kids are like right on with, you know, how to treat other people. And like they say, kids are cruel, and kids can be cruel, but not all kids. Like some kids are touched, you know, early on in life and can can see that, you know, just have this this tap into empathy and, you know. So trusting, trusting that you have what you need. I love that. And I love the fact that you brought up with the kids. Some of those kids are so in tune, especially now they're so in tune. And, you know, I think so many people focus on maybe ones, whether it's kids or people, where they're focusing more on the people who are doing something that doesn't fit right with values or things that you feel should be done empathetically and compassionately for people. Because there's so many more that are and so much, so many more good people out there. If we stop focusing on the bad, maybe we'd see more of the good that's always there around us. I think that's something so key for people. And one of the things that you do is you also, as I was going through, you work with specialty populations. So what is the specialty populations? What are they? And how do you work with them differently? Um, Christians, because sometimes Christians want therapy, but they are afraid that their faith system is not going to be honored and it's going to be all psychological or it's going to be all blaming, you know, their mom or dad instead of looking at, well, what can I do within myself? So uh, I provide that service for people who want therapy, but also want their faith to be integrated. Uh, creatives, you know, actors, it used to be where we, most of the time we see all creatives, but lately we've been focusing on actors and musicians. And one of the reasons for that is, well, we live in LA, so there's lots of people here that are in that industry, but uh, creatives, uh, there, there's this book called Touched with Fire, and okay. it talks about how creative, the creative brain is a little different from other people's in that it, it tends more toward melancholy and sadness or just really, really deep thought. And people who are deep thinkers can end up taking the weight of the world into their psyche. And so a lot of those people that do that are creative people. 
You know, I think that actors have a great outlet because they can, you know, pretend to be other people and, you know, like kind of uh, regulate some of that emotion and regulate some of that. And so what we do here at Healing the Mind and Spirit is help them with that, like give them tools uh, to navigate that. Same thing with musicians. Musicians are often very deep people, especially the ones that write, you know, their own music and things like that. And then the other specialty population is uh, women in need of empowerment. And so what that means is women who have either lost their voice because of some relationship craziness or some trauma that has happened, or women who have never found their voice, like within themselves. Like I believe that every person's voice is there, but for whatever reason, some people never tap into that. So that's one of the uh, things that, and one of the tools that I like to use and uh, is a, a really good book called Women Who Run With Wolves. Have you ever heard of it? I have not heard of that one. No. Well, it's a wonderful book. I, I recommend it all the time to like my nieces first and then, you know, to my clients, but it, it's written by a psychotherapist and she takes uh, ancient stories, like, you know, deep stories, and she helps you to figure out your own psyche using some of these stories like and they're well-known stories like Blackbeard and uh, like Blackbeard keeps his wife hidden and trapped in the dungeon but what you really want the client to see is nobody's keeping you in the dungeon now it's you doing it so empowering the woman to come out of the dungeon you know on her own and there may have been people it may have been a father or husband or whatever but right now whether you're still with that father or with your husband, because you are an adult, you're the one keeping you. So, so here's the key. Let's, let's look for the key and get you out of that dungeon. You know, another one that she uses is uh, that I use a lot is um, uh, the ugly duckling and the ugly duckling. The way she uses it is sometimes you're just born into the wrong family. Like sometimes you have to find your flock. Like you might be you know, in this family, but nobody gets you, nobody understands you, you look different than everybody, you're always being put down and whatever. And that might be because you just have a different mindset. Maybe you're, you're cut, you might have the same genes, but you're cut from a different cloth. So you might have to look up and find your, your swan family instead of the duckling family that you grew up with. And that's okay. If that's your journey, you, you need to find that in order to have peace. Absolutely. And I love how you brought the fact up of sometimes you're in the family where you don't fit in. And I think you were in a family that you really didn't fit into quite as much. Or, and, and that's something where when you're not fitting in, some the other parts of the family will come kind of come down on you because you're not fitting in and not yeah. falling into that narrative, I think is so important for people. I love the fact that you're, I'm definitely going to have to check into that book for sure. I love it. So yeah. definitely anybody out there, check it out. It's run with the wolves. So definitely check that out. And then as you're doing that, as you've been doing this, you've been working with the actors, with songwriters, and I hadn't even thought of it before. And I love the fact that you brought that up where they're such deep thinkers, especially when they're writing, they're creating, they're in painting, doing all these different things. They're tapping into something a lot of times much deeper than what we, what most of the people, I shouldn't say not every, not normal, everyone's normal, but it's their difference is that they're tapping into something deeper. They're going deeper in what they're experiencing. And to be able to offer those services to people where you're understanding where they're coming from, you're understanding they're such 
deeper thinkers than what the average person is. And when you're working with those people, are you working with those just in California or they can they be from anywhere in the country? For psychotherapy, it's just in California, but if it's coaching, it could be from anywhere in the country. And, and the difference between therapy and coaching is um, with therapy, we're looking at where you are now and what are some of the elements of your past that got you here and how to help you function more in the here and now by healing some of those past elements in order to take you forward. With coaching, it's we're looking at where you want to go and what are the things happening now that will prevent you or that is preventing you from moving into where you you go. It doesn't mean that things from the past do not come up. Sometimes they do, but we just kind of take a quick, quick cursory glance at it, but it's more focused on where you are going. And I mean, if you can find a therapist, that's also a life coach, that's great because she will already have the tools for dipping back into the past. You know, like I, I work with people who work with life coaches and they'll refer them to me if something comes up from the past, that's trauma or that's debilitating and so sometimes the life coaching work has to be put on a hold until we can deal with whatever's going on in therapy in order for them to move forward. So, you know, if I would say either get therapy before you uh, work with the life coach, unless you absolutely know what you want to work with, and then just stay focused on that. And if something happens uh, later uh, or in the process, then go and, and talk with the therapist about it. I like that. And, and I love that you offer the coaching for people where you're not too concerned about the past, but you want to see where am I going? How can I get there? How can I, how can I move myself forward in a, in a different fashion or a faster or better fashion than I have been doing before? And I think that's important for people because for me, I'm seeing a lot of people where they don't want to focus too much on the past. They just like, where can I go? How can I get there? Where, what can I do? And with you working with different creative people with the different in the arts, I think that's something that's important for people to realize there's something more in depth for those. And is that what you're finding with the coaching with the people with obviously everybody has some people may have issues where they're doing the therapy. But with the coaching, they're more looking for moving themselves forward and and more success in what they're doing. Is that more of where you're going with the coaching on your end? Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of the people that call me for coaching, for coaching, some of them have already been through therapy and they've dealt with whatever pain or trauma, but they either found me online or on TikTok, you know, because I talk about a lot of different things on TikTok uh, and they want you know, some help in meeting themselves where they're at now in order to move forward and, you know, figuring out a path. Like in therapy, I call the plan uh, treatment plan, but in coaching, I call the plan a path plan because you're like, I'm helping them to find their way down the path with regards to where they're going. Nice. So I've got to say, for those of you who can't see, I do see a guitar in the background. Do you also <laughs> play? <laughs> What is the, what's the story with the guitar? I got to know. <laughs> That's my husband's guitar. My husband is a musician. He's a, a, a guitarist and a singer. He's a rock singer. And he, sometimes he'll come in because this, this building is mostly a nine to five type building. So all of the office suites are usually gone by five, six o'clock. And so he has a little amp, which I don't have that. I have that behind the couch and he has two guitars here. He took one home. So that one that you see is, is just sitting here now, but he'll come and play, just, you know, do his thing. And, you know, at night here 
by himself. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. And it's really uh, for me to see that. So I'm looking at things maybe a little bit differently and I'm seeing a person who is so humble with themselves, knowing where they came from with you. I'm seeing that within you, seeing where you came from and and being very humble about how you got here and the, and the challenges you've had along the way. So that's something so key that I think people will feel your heart. <laughs> and <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and then the other thing I see is someone who's also so exuberant to take on the world, to show people what's possible with within themselves. And I love the fact that you're doing with the women's empowerment and, and having people find their own personal power within and bringing in that, that God aspect that everyone's unique and different. And we all have our own specialty, our own uniqueness and to embrace and embrace that and and put that power within ourselves again, because that's what really shines for people. And then I see that the music aspect behind you and, and I'm just like, you're just embracing all of it, bringing that, that music and that joy to everything. And I, and I haven't read your whole book. I've only seen little excerpts of it. So I will let you know that right off the bat. But knowing the many voices, the, those, all those choices, all those many voices that you hear and how there's one truth behind it and how you're helping so many people find that truth within themselves, finding that power within themselves and being okay with being unique. I think that's something so important for people to hear. And I can't. I'm just encouraging people as I'm getting to know you more is, is encouraging people to check out your book and, and do it with the many voices and one truth. And the truth, as you've been talking to me, it just feels like the truth is understanding how beautiful we all are. And when we start embracing it and seeing that within you. So I have been so excited to have you talking about that and when you were when you're talking about this, there's also can everyone's truth be different? Oh yeah, I mean because we are we're all different. Like there is uh, subjective truth, and then when I'm talking about the one truth in the book, I'm talking about where you came from. Like listening to the voice of your maker instead of all of these voices, you know, that tear you down and just send you down all these paths that you end up having regret about. So that's, that's awesome. And that's, it's really you. I, I'm just saying, I just love the fact that you're working to help people understand who they are at such a deeper level, letting go of all the chatter that we hear every day and chatter that we've sometimes held within us. And as you've been working with people, have you found that sometimes you'll be working forward and it'll be going really good. And then all of a sudden there might be like a little bit of back, little backpedaling as they find another part that they really haven't dealt with in the past before. Oh, absolutely. I find that in myself too. Like, and and it's just part of the journey. Like, you know, you might have five steps forward and then a step back or half a step back, but it's just go with it. You know, it's part of the journey. Stepping back is sometimes part of the journey because it's, it just strengthens you. It's almost like you're, if you're tying a rope and you, you double back, then it's just going to make that stronger. So I, I, I think that setbacks as grievous as they can be, and, you know, they make you cry and they make you feel sad. You're just, if you're listening and if you're paying attention, 
you know, you can always pick up something to make you stronger, you know, and then as you catch up to where you were going to be, then you'll be all that much, that much more stronger if you don't cave in and give up. And that's something for people to realize. It's not always, you're always feeling like you're constantly going forward and you never feel like you have a setback because I think all of us have setbacks, myself included, where you feel like, what did I do? How, how did I get here? And I need to come back again and, and revisit some aspects that I maybe didn't deal with. And you had talked about beliefs that you brought forward and working through them. And that's something so important for people to realize we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey of moving ourselves forward, but that sometimes means we're stepping back to examine something that we maybe haven't dealt with in the past. Yeah, exactly. As you've been doing this, you have been an encouraging people to move forward. And now you're also, you went through this book, the first book, Many Voices, One Truth. And now I've heard that you're working on a second book. What is that second book going to be embracing? Identity and embracing who you were originally created to be. Uh, in the book, I'm I'm taking the stories of real women, not my clients. I, I reached out to friends and family members you know, whose story I, I know, or sort of kind of know, and, and I'm asking them, I ask them to share, you know, part of their journey, so that other people can see that life is a journey. And a lot of times we'll take on roles that are ill fitting, or we take on roles that maybe fit at the time, but no longer fit, but we're holding on to them. And they just causes distress, you know, causes you to be under duress all the time. And so just finding your way home. I, I think every book that I write will have something to do with finding your way back to who you were cre originally created to be. I love that. And that, that creation of who we really are stepping into everything is possible when we step into realizing we are something more than what we originally thought of. And as you've gone on this journey and of self-discovery and helping so many others on their discovery, have you found that internally, emotionally, are you feeling better or more positive about things going forward as you've been doing your journey of self-discovery? Most of the time, but sometimes no, like sometimes, like one of the things that I struggle with is feeling like I'm helping all these people, but then I feel like I have my own problems and, you know, who's going to help me, but that's a lie too. You know, I, I fall into that pit. There's lots of people. I have all kinds of friends that, you know, I can turn to. I have my husband who's my best friend. He's not always my best friend, but you know, nowadays he is. I have my friend, Indra, my friend, Mary, my friend, Gia, my friend, Vanette, you know, as you know, so there are people that I can reach out to, but like when I go into my pity party or if I'm feeling overwhelmed or if I haven't engaged in self-care, I can, I can definitely go there too, you know, and there are people to pull me out when I go. <laughs> and that's, and I love that, you know, I love how you're being honest with so many things because people need to realize, you know, as much as like you are there for people and I do different things, you're there for people, but we still are living a normal life. We're still dealing with, you know, sometimes, yeah, the husbands you want to have a little issue with sometimes and other times it's great. It's the whole up and down. It's life. It's real. It's, it's not, 
it's not putting the sugar coating on it, making like nothing will ever, you'll never be feeling sad. You'll never be feeling down on anything. It's knowing this is going to be a journey going through and to embrace that journey and call on the friends when you need them to pick you up, to do something about. I'm a creative, like I'm a writer. So of course there's going to be pits. (laughs) It's just part of (laughs) Absolutely. And that's the other thing with creative people. I think there's a lot of people that are creating different things. You get to a point and it's like, you don't know where to go from there. And it kind of puts you in a little bit of a tailspin, like, okay, I've got this far. It's feeling really good. And now I feel like I have nothing. (laughs) And how do I move through it? And I love the fact that that's one of the, some of the people you're specializing with, with the creative people, with people in filmmaking, with artistry, with, with all, with writing, with all the different aspects because you understand them at a little bit deeper level. And I think that's a, a very niche market that I think people are going to appreciate having that stability, having that help when they need it. So I'm so excited for you to be helping with so many different people in areas where a lot of people don't specialize in. Yeah, people think that people in the entertainment industry have it all and they've got it all together because they have these like great careers. And to a degree, some of that might be true, but people are still people no matter what their job is, you know? And I think that's that's something to remember, not to put people on a pedestal instead of look instead looking at them, they're humans just like the rest of us, working through everything just like the rest of us. Yeah. And to and to also give them that the ability to go through things, because I think a lot of times people put people like in the entertainment business, they're putting them up on a pedestal not realizing they're holding them to a standard that is really very hard to achieve on a normal yeah. basis. Yeah. And, and I think it's normal to put people on the pedestal. So like when we do that, if the person falls off the pedestal, give them compassion and grace and under, and remember, oh yeah, that's right. They are a person. And, you know, like, don't be down on them. Like I, I really hate when I see uh, in the grocery store lines, some of the headlines for you know, it's like, these are people with families and husbands and children and, you know, their granddaughter is going to, I'm a grandma. Like, I don't want my granddaughter seeing some of this stuff. It's like, so if you do put them on a pedestal, get, reach out for, reach out with compassion. Even if that's just sending a letter or posting something on their page or praying for them, just understand that all people are people. Absolutely. Mistakes, you know? And a lot of the things, honestly, that are out there, not all of them are completely true and don't say the other side and don't don't give the other aspects. So when you're seeing something, when you're reading something, you should really look at it with a different eye because not everything is saying the whole story. Exactly. Grain of salt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on here. I am excited. And, and Tracy, I... I'm blown away. I love how you are so open and approachable by people. I think that is something that is so key for people. I feel so lucky the people I've been interviewing have been so approachable, so real. And that's something with you I am so impressed with. Thank you. Is there anything you have that is coming up or anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Well, I'd I'd really like it if your listeners uh, could uh, subscribe to my email list. I'm building that. And you can do that by going to tracyterrace.com and you'll get a freebie there. I think the thing that's up right now is something I created called the stress threshold. 
Um, we all have a, a level of stress we can take before we start engaging in adverse you know, reactions to that. And so what this is, it's kind of like an assessment where you answer a few questions and then you get a score to see if you've crossed your stress threshold or if you're approaching it. And so you can get that at tracyterrace.com by signing up for my email list. But Angela, I just want to thank you for just your kind words and for having me here and inviting me on your show and, and just all of the great questions that you that you asked and you know allowing me to answer from my heart and not like trying to lead me down a certain path. You just let me be me. And so I just really appreciate that. So thank you for having me on. Oh, you are so welcome. And for me, it's all about I know there's sometimes set things to ask and different things, but for me, I like to get to know the person and I like to get my, I like to have my listeners get to know who you are as a person. And I love the fact that you let us know that. And I love you. <laughs> thank you. I love you too. <laughs> so I have, I just want to thank you again and encourage everyone here to check out Tracy Tavis, Tracy Tavis, and please check out her website. And it is, you have, you have a couple of different websites. You have healing the mind and spirit.com. And then Tracy Tar Tav, oh, I keep getting, I keep getting an R in there. I don't know why. <laughs> it, is an R. it is an R. It is an R, but it doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't. Oh, that's why. Tracy, I'm like, I'm Terrace. Tracy Terrace. So please check out her website and I will have the links down below also. So go on her website, check that out. Also check out her new book with the many voices go ahead and show that up there many voices one truth and check out her book because I think you're going to find something that is going to help all of you in that book and I can't wait to have all of you check out her information and again she is also on Facebook at healing the mind and spirit Instagram and TikTok at Tracy Terrace so make sure to check her out there and also go on Amazon you can check out her book there the many many voices one truth and you can order it through there or through her website and I am so happy to have you on here today and I hope all of you check out her information, sign up on her website and check out that stress. That is very interesting. I think very good for so many people. And with that, I hope all of you will join us for the next episode of Edge Talk Radio on the first and third Tuesdays of the month at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And thank you all for listening. And I hope you all have an absolutely amazing day.